Hello and welcome to the Beach House 34 True Crime and Paranormal Podcast. And welcome to all of our new subscribers and a warm welcome to our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the reading of the Darley Routier trial testimony. Again, we are on day six of the trial, which occurred on January 14th, 1997. And on this day, there was one witness, Officer David Main. He is the crime scene photographer and manager of the evidence section for the Rowlett, Texas Police Department. Now, since his testimony, as you know, runs the entire day, this has been broken up into parts. Today's episode is part four. The first three parts of his testimony are episodes number 65, 66, and 67. And these will be available to you in the show notes. Now, the episode, this one, is the last hour of his testimony on this day. The defense still had further questions for Officer Main, but the time had hit five o'clock and the judge decided to release the jury and have the questioning continue the following day. So before we begin, let's recap really quick what we learned in the last episode. The defense focused most of the last hour um, going over the evidence collected from the scene and in the alleyway, mainly the way it was handled with Damon's jeans and underwear being placed in the same bag and Darley's t-shirt in another bag, which was then transported to a local fire department, which is where Officer Maine then picked it up. Now these bags had somewhere along the way lost their evidence tags, which seemed concerning. Uh, a lot of the discussion focused on state's exhibit number 150 and defense exhibit number 19. Now what these were, were near identical photos of the same items at the crime scene, but they showed that a pillow and a lampshade were not in the same location in these photos. Officer Main said that state's exhibit number 150, which you can actually see in the show notes of the prior episode, he said that this one was taken first, but this turned out not to be true. So with that said, that's kind of where we left off in the last episode. With that said, let's continue Officer Main's testimony for this day. And it begins where episode 67 left off. Now, Mr. Richard Mosty, part of Darley's defense team, is still questioning Officer Main, and he has just finished asking him about what artifacts were and how things can get moved within a crime scene. He then references state's exhibits uh, number 150 and defense exhibit number 19 again. The questioning picks up with Mr. Mosty asking Officer Main about the presumptive blood test on the sock that was found in the alley and how and when he went about testing it. Now, you told me that you did that presumptive test. Yes, sir. About 930, did you say? Yes, sir. Okay. And I guess you went out to your car and got that bag? Yes, sir. Okay. And you removed the stapled evidence tag? Yes, sir. Okay. 
And that is the stapled evidence tag that is now missing. Well, I mean, I opened the bag. I think the evidence tag stayed on the bag itself. Well, you told me earlier that you stapled it, that when you went back to the car after getting the sock, that you immediately went back to the car and stapled the evidence tag on as the third item. That's correct. So when you went back to your car at 930, that evidence tag was still stapled to the bag. That's correct. Okay. And you had to tear that or remove the staple. Yes. Was it stapled through the evidence tag? Yes, sir. Okay. So you had to remove the staple. And well, all I did was open up the flap. You kept the evidence tag on there on the bag itself. Yes. Okay. And you were just able to open it up and reach in and grab that sock. Yes, sir. Well, doesn't that sort of defeat the purpose of securing a bag? The bag was secure. Well, it's not very secure if I can reach in and get the sock out, is it? Well, I had a, I had full gaining to it. Well, I'm not fussing with you. I'm just talking about, I had it right there. Why do you staple the bag? I staple the evidence tag to attach it to the bag. Well, why do you, in general terms, why do you staple that bag? Well, when I stapled that bag, it was to hold the evidence tag on the bag. Well, isn't one of the reasons that you stapled the bag shut is so nobody can get in there and tamper with the evidence? Yes, sir. So that they can't open that bag without tearing the staples or tearing the red tape or whatever it is. Yes, sir. And you were able to reach into your own bag. Yes, sir. Without unstapling it, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So you didn't do a very good job of securing your own evidence, did you? Yes, I did secure it. You did? Yes, sir. Well, you didn't secure it enough to where somebody couldn't have reached in it. Well, no one had access to it except for myself. Well, then after that, did you restaple it so nobody could get into it? Yes, sir. You had a staple gun there with you? Yes, sir. It was placed into evidence. Well, now when did you, you reached in it, the tag is still on it. Uh-huh. You reached in it without removing the staples, got it out, did the test. Yes, sir. You were able to do the test and you were able to put it back in. Yes, sir. Did you restaple it so nobody else could reach into it? Yes, sir. And you had a staple gun there in the living room with you? No, sir. It was out in the car. So you went out to the car and stapled it? Yes, sir. But you know that the evidence tag was on it? Yes, sir. All those times? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. You've taken a hundred, over a hundred photographs before you left the living room? Approximately. And did you go on into the kitchen? Yes, sir. And how many rolls did you take in there? I'm not for sure, sir. A number? Two? Two rolls? Yes, sir. And again, there's no way we can go back and figure out what those were taken of or when they were taken or what they were of. They were taken out of the kitchen area. Okay, now let me show you number 150 again. And that's the photograph that you've testified. Are these the documents that you picked up? Yes, sir. And all of those documents, each and every one, are what has been entered into evidence. 
Well, no, sir. There was more type papers. Were there three more? I'm sorry. Were there three more papers? I don't recall. There were several papers. I'm going to go ahead and offer these in evidence, number 84-A, B, and C. Do you have number 84-A, B, and C? The court then says, yes. Mr. Greg Davis says, I have 84-B here. Mr. Mosty then says, do you want me to renumber them? Mr. Greg Davis says, no, that's fine. The court says, all right, they were withdrawn. Mr. Davis says they were withdrawn. The court says, yes. Mr. Mosty says, do you want me to renumber those? The court then says, all right, let's just take a 10 minute break, please. Thank you. And at this point, the jury goes out of the room, but everybody else remains inside the court. And the court then says, let the record reflect that these proceedings are being held outside the presence of the jury and all parties of the trial are present. Mr. Hagler. And again, Mr. Hagler is part of Darley's defense team. Could we let the record reflect that counsel has requested permission to make the motion at this time? The court then says you can. Yes. Mr. Hagler then says move for a mistrial based on the fact that the instructions to the jury were insufficient to remove the error. The court then says and Mr. Hagler made this objection prior to the beginning of cross-examination. And since the jury was already in the jury box, we didn't rule on that then. But the court denies the motion for mistrial. But Mr. Hagler already made this motion. And so we will just put that on the record now. Let's bring the jury back in. So the jury then returns to the courtroom and the judge says, all right, let the record reflect that all parties in the trial are present and the jury is seated. Mr. Mosty. And at this point, Mr. Mosty, again, part of Darley's defense team, begins his questioning, uh, resumes his questioning. Officer Main, let me hand you what has been marked. It's actually got two marks on it, three documents. It's marked State's Exhibit number 84-A and Defendant's Exhibit 20 is the first one. And the second one is marked State's 84-B and Defendant's 21. And the third one is marked State's 84-C and Defendant's 22. Yes, sir. Were those documents that you picked up there at the end of the couch? Yes, sir. By the lamp? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, with these documents, are all the documents that you picked up at the end of the couch, are they all in evidence? No, sir. Not in this courtroom. They're entered into a state's exhibit. Okay. So there are others that you found there that aren't here? That's correct. Okay. And they were there at the end of the couch as well? Yes, sir. Did you go through those documents? Yes, sir. And pick and choose which ones to bring? No, sir. And who did that, if you know? I'm not for sure. But there were other documents there. Yes, sir. Where are they? I think they are right here. With the state? Mr. Greg Davis says they're right over here. Mr. Mosty then says, okay. He then continues to question, when you went in the house, did you photograph the fireplace in that wall? Yes, sir. Is that the south wall? I'm not very good on. I believe it is. Okay. Now, I mean, let me show you some tags. Now, let me show you defendants exhibits number 23 and 24. 
and ask you if those are also photographs that you took on June 6th. Yes, sir. Okay. And they're fairly and accurately depict the scene? The picture? Yes, sir. Mr. Mosty then says, we would offer 23 and 24. Mr. Davis says, no objection. The court says, state's exhibit, defendant's exhibits, 23 and 24 are admitted. What is 23, Mr. Mosty? What is it a photograph of? It's a photograph of the files. 24? The couch, Devin Routier, and files in it. Okay. And 24 is files. The court then says, okay, thank you. And then Mr. Mosty continues. Now, let me show you defendant's exhibit. Let's start with 24, I guess. In 24, is the lampshade visible? Yes, sir. Okay. When you say the lampshade is visible, is it this object here? Yes, sir. Okay. And at that stage, is the lampshade still up on the couch? It appears so. Okay. It's knocked over, but it's still up on the couch. Yes, sir. Okay. And that's the sort of gold object in the upper left-hand corner? Yes, sir. Okay. So do you, do I conclude from this that this photograph must have been taken before States 150? It could have. Yes, sir. Well, States 150 is the one that shows the lamp moved that we've already been over, doesn't it? Yes, sir. Okay, so like 19, which we talked about earlier. Okay, so we got 20. Let's see. That was 24 we were talking about. Let's keep these. 24, 150, and 19. Now, can you tell me which of these, Mr. Mulder, this says, do you want me to hold this? Mr. Mosty says, yes, you may need to come down here and I'll ask Mr. Mulder. And the court then says, do you want to step down, officer? So the officer then steps down from the witness stand and approaches the jury rail. And the proceedings were resumed as follows. Uh, Mr. Mosty, again, begins his questioning. Okay, defendants 19 has the lamp shade on the couch, correct? Yes, sir. Defendants is at 24, has the lamp shade on the couch? Yes, sir. Can you tell me... Which of these were taken first? You need to show, this is 24 over here. It shows the lampshade on the couch and 19 shows the lampshade on the couch. Yes, sir. Correct. And we know they are taken before 150 because that is when the lampshade has been moved. Well, I'm not for sure. Well, you were the only person in the house, weren't you? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, let's look at 24 and describe what's at the top of 24, that brown object, a brown folder, okay? And that was the way it was when you went in the house? I don't recall. Okay, let me show you 23, which is in evidence. 23 does not agree with 24, does it? Only this green folder. Well, that's the only green folder. Okay, now... This is the last one we're talking about. And in this one, there are green file folders at the end of the couch on top. Are there not? Yes, sir. Okay. And in that one, Devin Routier is still in, his body is still in there, isn't it? Yes, sir. Okay. Now then we go to 24. And in 24, the green folder has been moved, correct? Yes, sir. There is no green folder on there. 
Well, can you see something that maybe it's, I don't know, is that the brown folder in there or not? Or can you tell? Well, I believe it is. Okay, so 23 has the green folders on top and 24 has the brown folder on top. Yes, sir. Those are all taken in your first trip through the house. These items here, I was taking close-up shots when I found the folders at the end of the couch. And so you moved them, sir? You moved the green folders? Yes, sir, when I found them. Okay. I photographed it, and then I moved some off and photographed again. Okay, all on that first trip, though. No, sir, not on the first trip. So these aren't on the first trip. This one, this is on the first trip. This one with the green folders is? Yes, sir. These others are taken on the 6th? Yes, sir, it is. Who moved that evidence? I did. You did? Yes, sir. Okay. Is that when you looked in that green box? That's when I was looking through the folders. Mr. Mosty then says you can go ahead and have a seat, whereupon the witness resumed, the witness stand, and the proceedings resumed. What was in the green box? As far as I recall, it was sewing. Why didn't you photograph it? I didn't see it was pertinent to the investigation of just sewing items. You made that choice of not photographing that? That's correct. Where did you put those green folders when you picked them up? I placed them in a paper sack. And is that in an evidence sack? It's a paper sack that we have for evidence, yes. Well, did you... Did that get a tag, get stapled, and all those good things as well? Yes, sir. Did you do that right away? I put the paper sack, and this is a notation, actually, in the transcript where this is um, a wrong transcription, but it does say, I put the paper sack in a paper sack and went to the car. You put the green folders. Excuse me. Yes, sir. The green folders in a paper sack? That's correct. And went to the car. Yes, sir. That's correct. And is that the green folders that are depicted in number 23? Yes, sir. Okay. And when was this? It was late in the afternoon. Late in the afternoon? Yes, sir. So you picked those up and walked out to the car with them? Yes, sir. Straight to the car? Yes, sir. Let me show you exhibit 25 and ask you if you can identify that. That's the green folders. So it's not correct that you picked them up and carried them straight out to the car, is it? When I photographed them and collected them, that's when I did take them to the car. You photographed them at one place? That's correct. You picked them up and you put them down at another place? Yes, sir. And then you photographed them again? That's correct. And then you took them to the car? Yes, sir. But a minute ago, when I asked you about that, you left out the photographing of them. Well, I'm sorry, but I did photograph them. Okay. And you laid it down on the couch? Yes, sir. Okay. And that pillow here? Yes, sir. Okay. What was on that pillow? I'm not for sure, sir. Well, that's how blood gets transferred from one item in a crime scene to another, isn't it? Picking up one piece of evidence and putting it down on another? Well, no evidence that I saw was transferred to that. Okay, you didn't see any? No, sir. But that's when you get two objects of evidence. You want to keep them separated, don't you? 
You have already testified to that. Yes, sir. Try to. And in this instance, you didn't. You, in fact, laid one piece of evidence on top of another. Well, yes, sir. In that sense, I did. And we don't know whether there might have been blood on that yellow thing that got on the folders or from blood from the folders that got on the yellow pillow, do we? No, sir. And we'll never know now, will we? No, sir. And that's the same thing as taking Mrs. Routier's or the two children's clothes and putting them together, blood off of one can soak on the other, right? Possibly. And vice versa. Yes, sir. And that's why you're trained to separate them. Well, they were in one bag. And that's the reason why I didn't separate them. Why didn't you separate them to stop that very thing? Because I received those items in that one bag. And Mrs. Routier's t-shirt was all wadded up, wasn't it? It was, yes, sir. So blood could soak from one place on that t-shirt to another? Yes, sir. Blood soaked from that t-shirt out onto the paper bag that it was in, didn't it? There was blood on it, yes, sir, or appeared to be blood. Well, whatever happened to have been crumpled on top, gravity is just going to pull that drip down onto another part of that shirt, can't it? I'm not for sure I didn't see the shirt. Well, but that can happen, can't it? You know, well, I'm not for sure. Well, you aren't trained to avoid that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know the condition of the shirt, so I'm not for sure. Well, aren't you supposed to, for instance, with a bloody shirt, rather than put it in a bag where it can mildew and everything, aren't you supposed to get it out and hang it up or dry it somehow? That was done later. Yes, sir. But when was it done later? When I cleared the crime scene there. When? That evening? Yes, sir. Okay. Proper procedure would have been to take that shirt and as quickly as possible preserve it in as pristine a condition as possible? Well, there is really not a procedure. Just when I got through with the crime scene. Well, what did you do? With? Did you hang it up? Yes, sir. And that's to let it dry? That's correct. And that's to preserve it so that blood is not soaking from one place to another, isn't it? That's just to dry the blood. Okay, dry it in its place, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. But when it's wadded up, you cannot, that can't happen, can it? I'm not for sure. Blood can move from one place to another. Well, like I said, I'm not for sure. You don't know? No, sir. Common sense doesn't tell you why you go hang that thing up? Just to let it dry. Okay. Is that bag always upright that had Mrs. Routier's shirt in it? Yes, sir. At every time that you ever saw it? When it was in the car, it was upright. All right. How was it? Well, I guess you don't know how it was when Zimmerman had it, where it was, what it was doing. No, sir. How it was soaking through to anything. You don't know any of that stuff, do you? No, sir. All right. Mr. Main, let's talk about first, have we covered all of the photographs that you now did as you went through the utility room to the garage, you did all of those photographs on the 6th. Yes, sir. And we've covered all of those. We covered the ones in the kitchen, I recall. Okay. And we covered ones in the living room earlier. Yes, sir. 
How many, by this time, how many pictures did you take? I'm not for sure, sir. Okay, and I think you told me that you took a number of photographs of that ball cap. I took a few, and it was right there. Yes, sir, in the utility room. Okay, your camera is a zoom camera? Well, it's, I call it automatic camera. It's not really zoom, it just covers the area. I'm not familiar, that familiar with cameras, just to take a picture. Well, does it automatically focus? Focus? No, it automatically focuses. Okay, does it also have the ability to bring things in closer? No, it's just focus. It's an autofocus? Yes. Now, you've been trained in how to take photographs. You have told us that? I mean, yes, sir. Okay, just basic. And you've had some training in blood spatter, correct? I've been to a school, yes, sir. And they told you how to take photographs, didn't they? Well, at that school of blood, didn't they? No, sir, not at the blood school. They didn't? No, sir. You have never been trained? Well, I mean, on the job and basic crime scene school. Well, have you ever heard that for to analyze blood evidence, that what the analyst wants is a pan picture as big as he can of the entire room. Have you ever heard that? Yes, sir. I mean, that's all crime scenes get a pan of the area. And you know that a blood spatter guy wants a 90 degree photograph. I mean, I do take them, but in some instances, yes. Well, can you tell me which of these photographs of the hundred and how many, 200? I'm not for sure how many. Can you tell me which of those are 90 degree photographs of a blood spatter? No, sir, I couldn't tell you. And no one else would be able to do that either, could they? No, sir. Okay. Now with blood spatter, you have a direction to a blood, a drop of blood, don't you? I have been told, yes, okay. Well, you see, you used, I mean, I've been to school for that, yes, sir. Well, you used the phrase, cast off blood, didn't you? Yes, sir. And it makes a lot of difference if I'm photographing that at 90 degrees or if I'm photographing it at 45 degrees, doesn't it? Well, I mean, from the degree, yes, it's distorted if I'm not at 90 degrees, doesn't it? No, sir, I don't see how it distorts it. You don't think that it distorts it? No, sir, not the photograph. Well, it distorts your ability to look at that blood spatter, doesn't it? Well, I'm not for sure. Okay, you don't think that taking it at an angle adversely affects the blood spatter's man's ability to say if that blood was going at an angle and if so what angle it was going at i'm not for sure okay but do you know that a blood spatter analyst wants a 90 degree photograph of any important blood spatters no you don't know that i don't okay did you know that a blood spatter expert also wants for instance a ruler in a photograph yes sir you know that don't you Yes, sir. And the purpose of that is to give a perspective, isn't it? Yes, sir. And so if you find a blood spatter over here, you go and you put that ruler down by it, and then you get down and you take a 90-degree photograph of it. You know that. Yes, sir. A photograph. Yes, sir. You know that's what you're supposed to do, 
don't you? Yes, sir. Did you at any time put your ruler down and measure any of these blood spatters? Or just so anybody could get a perspective of what these blood drops looked like? The blood drops? No, sir. But you know that to be a good practice, don't you? Well, it could, yes. Could or is? Well, it could. All right, let's talk about some of the evidence you that you collected. Well, before we leave the photographs, let's hit a couple more. Did you pick up, did you take possession of the phone? No, sir. Nobody did. I think it was entered into evidence days later. Days later? Yes, sir. I guess somebody chose to made a decision that the phone was not important. Well, the first day? Yes. I chose not to take it. Yes, sir. That was your choice? Yes, sir. When you went in the room, where was the phone? It was lying in the living room. Can you give me any better description than that? Yes, sir. By the bar area in the family room. Okay. Let me show you what's been identified as Exhibit 26. That's taken by you on the 6th, isn't it? Yes, sir. Does that depict the location of the phone when you first went in? I don't think that is where it was, sir. Okay, let me show you number 25. Does that depict the location of the phone when you first went in? Yes, sir. Number 26 is the photograph that you said is not where it was when you went in? Yes, sir. And 27 is where the phone was when you went in? Yes, sir. Okay. These are both taken on the 6th of June. Yes, sir. Is there any way from your records to tell us which was taken first? Just by my knowledge, it's the one with the rag. Well, how come the phone is getting kicked around? We did examine it for blood on the phone and a photo was taken after it was moved. It is in a different location, isn't it? Well, it appears so. Yes. Well, in one, in the one, the antenna is sticking off the runner. Yes. And in the other, it's fully off the runner, isn't it? Yes, sir. Okay. So your story is that you saw it on the floor and then you picked it up and looked at it. This is you doing all of this. Taking the photos. Yes. Well, who picked it up? Well, I'm not sure who picked it up. You don't recall that? No, sir. Those weren't on the same time frame. Well, how did you know then that in 26, someone had picked it up to look for blood and had set it back down? Well, from my knowledge that it was on the runner and it was beside the green rag. So you don't know who moved it? No, sir. And you don't know if they looked for blood on it? I do know that they did look for blood on it. I'm not sure who picked it up. Did you see someone look for blood on it when they picked it up? Through the conversation that we've had. No, my question is, did you see someone look for blood when they picked up that phone? I don't recall. Okay, you don't know who moved the phone. No, sir. And you don't know if they did a presumptive blood test on it. No, sir, I don't think they did. It didn't have any blood on it. It did have blood on it, but no testing was done on it. No, sir, not to my knowledge. Okay, now you picked up the glass on the floor. 
on the kitchen floor, I did pick up a piece of glass. When did you do that? It was approximately 12.20 p.m. Okay, and how many pieces of glass were on the floor? There were several. How many did you pick up? I think I picked up one large piece and a few small pieces. The exhibit that's in evidence, is that in the same condition as when you picked them up? Yes, sir. They haven't been broken up since then? No, they have not. Okay, and that's all that you picked up? Yes, sir. And that's, can we say, several pieces of glass? Yes, sir. There's some tiny pieces along with... And now, did you look carefully for glass everywhere? Yes, sir. I saw glass on the floor. On the floor? Did you look anywhere else for glass? No, sir. Just in the kitchen area. But could you see it? I mean, on the counters or other places, did you look up at other places for glass other than the floor? Yes, sir. Did you see any? I don't recall. There was a wine stem on the floor as well? Yes, sir. To this same glass, presumably? Presumably. But you didn't collect that? That's correct. Nobody collected that? That day, no, sir. Okay, and the wine glass. I guess it can get kicked around the same way a phone can. It could have been picked up. Well, why would somebody pick up that phone and look at it and then set it down at a different location? I'm not for sure. Picked it up to analyze it for blood or look for blood and set it back down. Isn't it proper police procedure to pick it up, put it in a bag, staple it down, and look at it later? No, sir. That's not proper procedure? No, sir. What? Do you make those decisions out there on the spot? Yes, sir. And so you can, there might be any number of things out there that don't strike your memory right now that you just said, quote, that's nothing. I'm not even going to photograph it. I'm not going to pick it up. I'm not going to test it. It means nothing. It's through discussions with everybody out there that we decided to collect what we collected. Okay. And so there's a conscious decision made on the spot to say, quote, I'm not going to pick that up. Myself, yes, I didn't pick it up. Well, so somebody collectively made a conscious decision, picked up the phone. Well, first off, how would you pick up a phone like that? Just pick it up. With your hand? With gloves? With a glove on it? Yes, sir. Wouldn't you try to get tweezers or something on it? No, sir. Okay, you pick it up with a glove, and then you would examine it with a glove? Just examine the phone, okay? And you make that determination out in the field that this piece of evidence is not worthy of going down to the lab. Yes, sir. Okay. And you all did that all day on the 6th, I guess. Yes, sir. Made those decisions? On that particular evidence, yes. But on other pieces of evidence as well, didn't you? The evidence that we had, we collected. Well, did you collect all of the glass? No, sir. You made some decisions. I'm going to collect this piece and I'm not going to collect that one, didn't you? Yes, sir. And then those are decisions that you make that this piece of evidence is not worthy to go to the lab. And then there are the only pieces that I collected. Those are the only ones you remember? The stem and what I collected? 
Right. I remember some more glass. Yes. Okay. Now, how did you decide which ones you were going to collect and which ones you weren't? I just talked it over with people that were there and collected that piece of evidence. Well, I understand that. But what's the reasoning? Surely somebody said, that one there looks very important. Let's get it. Because there was no blood on the glass that I collected. Okay. So that is how you made your choice. If there was blood on it, you left it. If there was not blood on it, you didn't. Well, that's what I collected. Yes, sir. Well, why did you go through and pick up all of those blood samples? Weren't blood samples important out there? Yes, sir. But pieces of glass without blood were not important. To me, yes, sir. I said that backwards, I think. Pieces of glass that had blood on them were not important? Well, I mean, I'm not saying that they weren't important. I just did not collect them. Okay, that's fair enough. The stem, you made a decision that that wasn't important? I just made a decision not to collect it. Okay, you made no decision one way or another whether or not it was important? I wasn't making a determination if it was not important. I just did not collect it. Well, that's contrary to, of course, what happened with the phone. Somebody apparently made a decision out there on the ground that the phone wasn't important. I didn't say that. I said somebody examined it and left it and left it. Yes, sir. Okay, now you're trained over the importance of fingerprints, aren't you? Yes, sir and picking up things that may have latent prints on them. Yes, sir. And not touching things that may have prints on them. Yes, sir. Because you can wipe out prints, can't you? Yes, sir. If you handle an object, you could possibly smudge it. Yes, sir. For instance, if you go over and pick up this vacuum cleaner, whatever prints are there, you've destroyed, haven't you? Well, I'm not for sure. Well, isn't it good police practice to dust something like that for fingerprints before you touch it? Well, no, sir. No, sir. Not the vacuum cleaner per se at that time and point. You made a decision, a conscious decision, that dusting for prints on the vacuum cleaner was not important. Not at that time. Well, did it later become important? I'm not for sure if it was ever dusted, sir. Well, if it was important now, it must have been important then. Isn't that right? I mean, at the time, I decided not to collect it. And you made no determination, I guess, one way or another, whether or not it was important or not important to just for that for Prince. That's correct. I made a determination not to. Okay. What about other places? Did you make any determinations that other places didn't need to be dusted for prints? No, sir, I did not dust any prints. That was another officer that did that. Somebody else did that? Yes, sir. When you went in the house, what was the first thing you remember observing or photographing? The first thing I observed? Yes, first observed. In the house was the entryway. Okay. When you went in on your photographic session, what is the first thing that you noticed that you thought was worthy of photographing? It would be the hallway. 
And what was it about that that made you choose to photograph the hallway? There was just blood in the hallway. What else did you see? A couple of rags. A couple of rags? Yes, sir. Did you see the runner? Yes, sir. All right. Let me show you what I have marked as Defendant's Exhibits 28 and 29 and ask you if those are also photographs that you took. I'm not sure you can see the date stamped on one of them, but are those photographs you took on the 6th? Yes, sir. These are, and does 29 appear to be from farther back looking down the hallway? Yes, sir. And then 28, is that a closer up view of part of what is shown in 29? Yes, sir. Let me show those to the jury. The top one is a little farther away. Yes, sir. And the bottom one is a little closer up view. Yes, sir. Okay. And the top one shows what in it? It shows the hallway with the two rags. Okay. Plus a rag at the top. And does it show the runner also in there? I believe so. Okay. Did you look at those rags? Yes, sir. Okay. And does it also show in 29 a piece of white paper? Yes, sir. Do you know what that was? Did you observe it? It appeared to be a package for gauze. Something like a paramedic would leave? Yes, sir. Okay. And in 29, you say that there are two rags and the gauze and the runner. Yes, sir. Now, that runner appears to be folded over or moved around or something. Yes, sir. It's moved? Yes, sir. Was it moved when you first went in the house? I believe so. Okay. And the rug that's shown there, the green rug, it appears to have been moved? Yes, sir. You might look at 28. Yes, sir. And in 28, can you actually see what appears to be a green stain on the white from the top one, a green stain on the white carpet? Yes, sir. Does that appear to be where that rug lived most of the time? I'm not sure. I wasn't there. Okay. You can't draw that conclusion? That the green stain on the white carpet is from that green rug? I'm not for sure. Now, that green rug, when you got there, was actually in the kitchen. I guess it is this showing on 28. It actually shows the kitchen. It's laying on the kitchen floor. Yes, sir. Not on the carpet. Not on the carpet. Okay. But it appears clearly to have been moved. I'm not for sure. I mean, that's where it was when I got there. You can't draw that conclusion that it's been jostled around. It could have been. I wasn't there. Okay. And number 29 shows. Does that actually show three rags or two? One back in the one back here. Yes, sir. Okay. So it shows three rags in that room. Yes, sir. Now, did you tell the jury that you collected those rags? Yes, sir. All right. The third one, the third rag in this picture is sort of a little bit darkened and it's back in the living room. Yes, sir. And it was, it's shown in one of the photographs of the phone before the phone was moved or after the phone was moved. That green rag is shown closer to the phone, isn't it? Yes, sir. All right. But that's the way it looked when you first walked in? Yes, sir. With that runner and that rug thrown like that? I believe so. Okay. 
And it's your understanding that nothing had been moved at that point. To my understanding, yes, sir. Okay. Now, did you take those rags into evidence? Yes, sir. And how did you mark those? Again, place the rags in paper sacks. Okay. And attach the evidence tags to the sacks. Okay. At this point, the court, the judge then interjects and says, Mr. Mosty, will you be spending more time with this witness, I assume? And he responds with, yes, sir. And the court says, all right. By agreement, it's now five o'clock. And I think we are coming right upon five o'clock. What's the jury's pleasure? Do you wish to remain? And the a juror then asks, how much longer? The court says, how much longer do you think you'll be, Mr. Mosty? And he says, I don't think it will be too long. You are not going to hold me to that. Just a thing or two. The court then says, just a thing or two? All right, well, do you think it will be through in like 10 minutes? Mr. Mosty says, it might be just a tad longer than that. The court says, well, then we will adjourn. Mr. Mosty says, tell you what, if you want to take a couple minutes break, I will get myself real organized. The court says, no, no, I think we will do. I think we will do. We will break until nine o'clock tomorrow morning at which time you will be even more superbly organized. See everyone at nine o'clock in the morning. And while this concludes this day of testimony by Officer David Main, it does not conclude his entire testimony. He does continue on the following day, and that will be part of the next episode following this. So let's go over what was discussed in this episode, they again cover the evidence bags that had been missing tags in the back of Officer Main's car, especially the bag that had the sock in it. And again, they talk about exhibit number 150, which shows the couch and the lampshade with the files next to it. Now, various photos were discussed in this episode. And I'll have them again on the episode page so that you can refer to them because it's very helpful when they get to the sections, when they talk about the phone and the lampshades and, and such, as we've just heard. So Officer Main does admit that he ended up moving the folders that were next to the couch and then took more photos. The thing is, is that he took these folders and placed them on top of a pillow that was on the couch already and potentially messed up messed up uh, evidence. So Darley's t-shirt is then talked about. And he said that the bag with her shirt in it, in the back of his car, was always upright when he had it. We also learned that he had taken multiple photos of a black ball cap that was laying on the floor in the utility room. And also that he wasn't too familiar with the camera that he was using because he was uncertain about the zoom feature. When he was asked about that, he kind of wavered a little bit. He was then asked if his photos that he had taken of the crime scene were at a 90 degree angle because this is what blood spatter experts want. And he wasn't sure. He did know that blood spatter experts wanted rulers in the photos, but he admits that he didn't do this with the blood drops on the scene. 
Now, when I first heard this, I wasn't exactly sure what was meant by 90 degree angles either. But, you know, I'm not a police officer or a blood spatter expert. What I did learn was that 90 degree photos are pictures that you take at a crime scene that are taken directly above the bloodstains as if you are looking straight down at them. It helps the experts figure out how the blood got there. From above, you can see the size, the shape, and where the blood landed. If the picture is from a different angle, the shape of the spatter can look distorted and mislead investigators about the direction in which the blood was moving. Now, I thought it was very interesting and personally very careless that they didn't take possession of the telephone at the scene. Not only that, the phone had actually been moved from its original location. Officer Main even admitted that it had blood on it, but there was no test done. So similar to this is also the vacuum on the floor of the kitchen. No prints were taken from this item. He didn't feel it was necessary. It would seem to me that this would be one of the first things you would want to do. I mean, it's laying in the middle of a crime scene, right? Now, lastly, they talk about exhibits 28 and 29. Now, 28 is a photo of the plastic runner that runs down the hallway with towels on it. Now, this too, this photo will be on the episode page, but unfortunately, I do not have a copy of Exhibit 29. I do, however, have a screenshot of a police video that appears to show a green stain on the carpet, but I'm not sure if this is the same one as they're referring to in the testimony. So just a little uh, disclaimer there. All in all, the defense has done a pretty good job in this section of testimony in pointing out how careless the police were with the handling and the collection of the evidence. And with that said, that ends this day of testimony. Officer Main will be back on the stand the following day for a little while. So we will get to that in the next episode. And until then, thank you all for tuning in. If you think someone you know would love this coverage of the Routier trial or any of the other Beach House 34 episodes, please share it with them by heading to beachhouse34.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will talk soon.